Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, people, it's I love when stuff happens that you're not expecting. Like, let's say you're thinking about a college buddy of yours. You haven't talked to. You, you talk to her once every you know year. And then all of a sudden, you get a text out of the blue. I love stuff like that. I think it's really cool. And that's what happened with my uh, with my guest today. What I was watching. Why well, was I don't watch a lot of TV? Do you know as you people know the lovely Joanne is always watching TV. She DDRs everything, and so she had on NCIS last week. And so what happens is I get home and I walk in and she's watching it, and there is an actor on there who I recognized. And what I do is I got out. I knew his name, but I had forgotten it. It's very weird because I'm like that. I forget names sometimes. So I sat there and I I IMD beat him and I saw his name and I went to my computer and he was, I couldn't find him on Facebook and I couldn't find him on Twitter. So I said, well, I guess I'm not going to have him on my show. Well, the next day I sent a message to his agent about, I think a guest. And I always say, hey, I'm booking my maid. Do you have any, uh, and I, do you have any guests you can suggest? And he says, how about Matt McCoy? And I went, I said to me in my back, I went, holy crap. I just said to my girlfriend last night, I want that guy on my show. And now I have him. How you doing, Matt? <laughs> Steve, I think that was the longest intro I've ever had. Well, it was it was amazing, though, because I sat there. Because, I, you know, we're going to talk about your career. But, you know, and it's so funny because, like, I just saw you on Silicon Valley this Sunday. And uh, they did a great job making you up to look beat up. But, uh I just it was just funny that it happened that way because I couldn't find you because you don't have Twitter and you don't have Facebook and that's fine but I'm like how am I going to connect on this guy to get him on my yeah. show yeah I'm no, I'm no good with any of that stuff pal so I'm happy that we hooked up this way but I, I appreciate the time very much you're only as hip as your guest no pressure there huh well no that's no pressure on me because <laughs> you, you oh, I think the pressure's on me Steve I know well that's the whole idea <laughs> All right, I'll do my best. Oh, you'll do great. So now, uh, now I found out you're you're a terp. Well, I I, I, I was I was a brief terp. Okay. I, uh, I grew up um, in Maryland. Uh, my mom is still back there in Frederick, Maryland. But I uh, I think like a lot of kids out there don't quite know uh, what direction to take after high school. And I went to University of Maryland for uh, really just a cup of coffee, but always knew what I wanted to do and, and realized that was not the place to do it. So I left there very quickly and went out on the road for a couple of years and did, uh, did theater, did musical comedy. How did you, uh, when did you said, you said, you know, you knew you were going to do, when did you find out you were going to do it? And when did you start taking the steps towards doing that? Like as a kid, did you say, I want to act or how did you get involved? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I really distinctly remember at about 14 years old, uh, what I wanted to do. And uh, it got very lucky uh, that I was at a high school in Maryland that allowed me to do it, whether it was uh, the musical that we did every year. We did an opera every year. We did a straight play every year. And I had the good fortune of being a part of all those things. And, uh, and then, as I say, I kind of knew I wanted to keep it up when I got out of high school and uh, thought that college was the best place to go. But I realized it wasn't. Uh, because I wasn't the best student out there, Steve, if you do any digging, pal. Okay. So I, uh, I, I auditioned for a theater in the D.C. area. They had a theater in Washington, D.C., and they had a theater in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was fortunate enough to uh, 
be signed uh, on the road for a couple of years doing musical comedy between the theater in Atlanta and the theater in D.C. So, uh, and like a lot of actors out there, I realized after doing it for a couple of years, I had no idea what I was doing, and that's when I went to New York to study there. Now, where were some of these? Well, first of all, you said Frederick. It's funny when I years ago I did stand up comedy, and we used to do a show at Griff's Crab House. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's in <laughs> Frederick. But um, I think everything's a crab house yeah. back there. <laughs> when, <laughs> what what plays were you? Where were you going on the road? I mean, you were based out of. Were you just going to Atlanta, or were you going to small towns when you? No, started no, up? back and forth. A big theater in Atlanta and a theater in Washington D.C. called the Harlequin Theater. The Harlequin was also the name of the theater in Atlanta, and we did everything from uh, Fiddler on the Roof, Where's Charlie, Once Upon a Mattress, Company, uh, Carnival. Uh, I mean, I sang and danced my way beautifully through all of those. Now, when did you find out you could sing? Because, you know, a lot of us, you know, we think we can sing, and then no one, when you're young, no one says you can't sing because they put everybody in a chorus or the church yeah. choir. When did you figure out, hey, you know what? I got, I got some pretty good pipes on me. Yeah, well, I don't know if I figured it out. I was loud, and I thought that <laughs> equated to good. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I was in the chorus a lot. I, I was fortunate enough to have a couple of bigger parts, and uh, I don't know. I love singing, and I think uh, having the joy of singing it can mask a lot of the uh, talent that you don't have. So uh, I, uh, I was always, uh, I just loved being up there and, uh, and loved, continued uh, at the school I went to singing there as well. And uh, so it's something I do quite a bit. I, I love it. I, uh, much to my kids' chagrin. <laughs> so now you moved to New York and you said, this is where I have to be. Was it a, was it a move that, took a lot of thinking or did you do it somewhat on a whim after doing this theater you said i can only do this theater for so much going back and forth what what made yeah. you decide to go to new york much like this interview steve it was on the whim okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i got accepted at a school called the neighborhood playhouse up in new york i remember going up there and meeting with the folks at the school and uh, the neighborhood playhouse is a, a terrific place still there to this day up on 54th street between first and second and it's a two-year program. They accept about 100 kids in the first year, and then they let almost 70 of them go, and then 30 kids come back for the second year of the program. So uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, graduate from there, be there a couple of years, and uh, I just knew that, as I say, when I started doing what I was doing out of high school, I, didn't, I realized I wasn't, you know, you're just sort of going on fumes sometimes. You don't really quite have the foundation you need to to go further. So I, I knew I needed to go back to school to learn, and uh, Sandy Meisner's technique at the Neighborhood Playhouse was a really great place to start. So um, fortunate enough to work with Sandy a couple of years there, and a great teacher named Bill Alderson. And uh, I got real lucky, Steve. I was on a television program three weeks out of school after I graduated. So now, how did uh, that happen? I mean, that's just. I mean, that that's yeah. more than lucky. That's like that's yeah. like hitting the damn lottery because most people still, can't even I'm get an agent. I'm still asking myself that, but I just, uh, I, I, I did. I got lucky. It was a program over at NBC. We shot in the summer. It was a kid's program called Hot Hero Sandwich. And we took over the 8-H studio where Saturday Night Live shot. We took it over over the summer and uh, and shot the program all summer till they came back in the fall in September. So uh, it's it just crazy luck, man. And, and that luck continues with me today. Now, when you got, after you got the TV, that, that show, did you sit there and say, 
and I'm not going to do stage now. Or, I mean, what do you do? Because you love the stage and you love the singing. And then all of a sudden you get this. And I'm sure, as I talk to a lot of people who have done stage acting, there's a big difference in TV money and stage money. So, I mean, what do you sit there? What is your focus then on your career after you get this TV show? Yeah, my, my focus was never the money. I think if anybody tells you they're in it for the money, uh, they're probably doing the wrong thing. But I, I just sort of went where the work was, uh, Steve. I started coming out to Los Angeles from New York. I did some summer stock there in New York and uh, um, went up to Rochester to do uh, Butterflies Are Free, which I'll do a, a short monologue for you in a minute. It'll be terrific. Uh, and, you know, did that, but then... Uh, really fortunate enough to grab an agent in New York who, you know, there's this pilot season everybody talks about here in Los Angeles, which is really is not defined so much anymore as it used to be. But it really used to be a very defined time where between about January 15th and April 15th, really things were cooking out here in L.A. And I just started coming out and auditioning for different pilots and ended up getting them over the years. And, uh, so I just went where the work was, and, and uh, I don't know. I I, uh, I I seemed to connect with with more television out here, and uh, ended up coming out here in '83 and doing a series for NBC called Hot Hero Sand. Called uh, We Got It Made. I remember that. I remember with the yeah. ter- with the Terry Copley. She was on Terry posters. Was, uh, she was on posters with like a red little outfit. I remember that. That's Spencer Gibbs. That was no outfit, Steve. That was a bathing suit. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah, she kind of had that very iconic, not not unlike, I mean, Farrah Fawcett was so big back there with that red bathing suit she wore during that poster, which, uh, you know, I, I still have. And uh, But Terry was, Terry was a, that was a, it was a, it was a big hit. It, it didn't run very long. I think it could have run longer. We were sort of. Uh, a spin on Three's Company. You know, it was two guys, Tom Ballard and myself, and Terry Copley. And uh, but yeah, it, it was a, a pretty, it was a pretty great time back there. It really was. It was a great run for a year, and uh, I ended up staying out here and got married back then in '85. Still married to the greatest gal in Dodge, and brought her out here in '85, and I've been here ever since. So that's good. Now, now where did you first live when you came out here? Because I always crack up because LA was so different then I've heard where were when you first when you're an actor coming out here you know and you had some series money so where did you first move well I did and I always I I've been in I bought the home that I'm in right now Steve 30 years ago when we got married wow I I lived in two homes prior to that uh that I rented but I gotta tell you you could throw a blanket over all three of them because I'm over here in West L.A., uh, kind of Cheviot Hills area, and uh, no secret there. If you if you know me, you see me out all the time, uh, going around Rancho Park and uh, playing golf over there and playing tennis over there. So I've been in the same area ever since I came out here, and it's a great one too. See, that's great. That's like me. I mean, I've been in Burbank since I've been out here. Well, I was in other places, but I've been in Burbank for like. 13 years, and you really get to know your community, and it's great because you know where everything is, you know where the supermarket is, and you know where yeah. you're going to get the good produce. And like the, For me, Sprouts I, has I, nicer produce. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I like that. I uh, This area over here I'm in just keeps getting better and better. Light rail opens next month, and you'll be able to walk a couple of blocks from my house and go down to Santa Monica or 
head on downtown to the Staples Center. So uh, I love living out in L.A. I, uh, it gets a bum rap sometimes. Boy, I, I love it out here. It sounds like you do too. I love it, yeah. I just It's just the traffic. But that, I, there's traffic back east. I mean, you're from the D.C. area. You have the Beltway. I grew up near Philadelphia. We had the 76. The traffic stinks around every city. <laughs> it does. But I, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm fortunate, too, that I don't have to deal with the traffic, in a sense, as far as the 9-to-5ers. Right. The people that are getting up and, and heading someplace every day. It's always a gift when I have to head someplace for work. So I look at it as a joy. That's, that's uh, the way to look at it. Or a mistake on somebody's part. So now you're acting away. The series uh, ends, which uh, it got good ratings. As you said, you thought it, it you thought it should have gone a little longer. And so you're acting around. And I think, now how, how does it end up, end up being in some Police Academy movies? And were, were you fans of the Police Academy? Were you a fan of that whole franchise? Because that franchise was giant. Yeah. Boy, Steve, you've done some nice homework here, pal. I like it. Uh, no, Police Academy, uh, uh, what a gift. I mean, you talk about gifts in your life, Police Academy 5 and 6, which I'm sure your audience would agree really are the two best ones. Right. Right? Street, don't you agree? Uh, no, I remember going into Warner Brothers there. Uh, Steve Gutenberg, who's turned out to be a buddy, uh, had kind of done, he's kind of done it. He did the first four, and uh, they were replacing that. That not that character, but they were replacing that role in a sense. And uh, I went in there and read for Paul Mislansky, who was the producer and the creator of him, still a great friend today. And uh, I uh, I was lucky enough to get it. My we went down to Miami Beach, Florida. My son was born. I got that job when my wife was eight months pregnant. And uh, I came home after getting the job, and I said, "Honey, that's what I call her." I said, you tell me, am I taking this gig or not? And uh, so we went down to Miami Beach and shot Police Academy 5. My son was born down there 28 years ago. And uh, so it, it holds a really dear place in my heart. Now, those movies were very popular. Where Did people start recognizing you? Did you say they go, hey, you're the guy from the Police Academy? Oh, yeah. Still... To this day, Steve, I don't think a day goes by where, uh, you know, people really have a great place in their heart for police academies. And uh, Paul is trying to revamp them up even, you know, today because there's a whole another generation out there who really loves the, the old ones. And uh, so I think Paul is is working hard to, to bring a new cast into it, and, uh, to bring some life back into it. And, uh, um, yeah, it was a... Uh, it was a big, big jump in my career being in that and, and then uh, sticking around doing Police Academy 6 and uh, really wonderful things came of it uh, from the birth of my son to buying a house to really just, uh, you know, realizing that, OK, things are things are going good. I was, you know, just married. And, uh, so, yeah, it, as I say, it holds really, really a special place for me now. Did you expect there to be a Police Academy 7, or weren't you sure? <laughs> well, there was. But you weren't in it. Yeah, there was a Police Academy 7, which I was not in. I think they went to Russia. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think, once again, they just sort of uh, tried to, you know, reinvigorate the cast or something, too. A lot of people didn't go. And uh, I, I think, uh, I don't even remember who was a part of it, Steve, to be honest with you. I, I think there was... Uh, was there a Police Academy 8? I don't think so. I think maybe the 7 was the last one. But uh, No, I, I was really fortunate enough to be uh, a part of 5 and 6 and uh, went on after that and 
uh, you know, worked on The Hand That Rocks the Cradle and, and really great movies after that. So it was uh, it was a good springboard into other things. Now, how was it to sit there when you're when you're working in those uh, comedy like that? And it's such an over the top comedy, and it's great comedy. And I always say, you know, writing simple comedy that makes people laugh just over simple things is very hard to do. People don't understand that, but it takes a, a very good comedy writer. When you when you come from acting on a show like that and you start getting in different shows, do people are people associating you with the police academy guy? Well, I, no, I don't. I, I was I'm lucky enough, and, and to this day too, Steve. I, I I don't know that I've been really pigeonholed with like that. I mean, I I, I did do the these these were pretty broad comedies, and uh, I, I found that you know we had great people at the helm there. Peter Bonner, who's directed Six, who was a great comedy mind, and a guy named Alan Meyerson, who was a terrific director on Police Academy Five too. These guys really knew, and Paul Maslansky, These guys really knew funny. And uh, so they kind of kept you on track, too. And uh, I came into that, you know, it was a very well-oiled machine, too. You had great people on board uh, for all the police academies from the beginning. So it was nice to come in and fit in with that group. And, uh, uh, no, I, uh, you know, I still go back and forth quite a bit. You mentioned Silicon Valley. And I I just, uh, if I look back on... I've been in the guild about 40 years, and when I look back on, on doing everything that I've done, I've been fortunate enough to go back and forth between comedy and drama. Well, I look at your IMDb, and it's very impressive, I must say. I mean, because you, I mean, just, I mean, even The Love Boat. I mean, you've been on, on a lot of great shows. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, yeah, The Love Boat, yeah, I forgot about that. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I, I did The Love Boat with the girl that I was living with at the time. So, uh <laughs> Uh, there's a whole other backstory there, Steve. It wasn't quite the love that I'd hoped to feel on the love boat, uh, but uh, she was a uh, she was a great gal, and, and still is. She's still in my life, which is kind of nice. So you've done a lot of comedies and different dramas, and, and you ended up in L.A. Confidential. What was that like? Well, before that, it was The Hand That Rocks the Cradle by the same director, Curtis Hansen. Uh, I had done Hand That Rocks the Cradle with Curtis uh, up in Seattle. We were up there for four months shooting that, and when that came out in 92, it was the number one picture for, oh, almost a month, which is pretty hard to believe. And uh, he had contacted me after that to come on board for L.A. Confidential. And, uh, uh, boy, still to this day, that picture holds up, doesn't it? I mean, it's just wonderful. Well, I was talking to a guest a few weeks ago about it, and I have the original DVD of L.A. Confidential. And the one thing I love was that's when the the – features on the DVD weren't anything like they are now. Like, here's 87 different takes of the movie. But they had a, a map of the histo- of the places in L.A. cast, uh, in L.A. Confidential, that the stuff took place, like the Formosa. And it was very interesting because it, it did really connect with that, that time in Hollywood. Yeah, and that, that's, that was Curtis, too. And Curtis worked very closely with the uh, L.A. Conservancy, too. Because if you... It sounds like you're a big L.A. fan, too, as I am. I mean, you can still walk around the city. You can go downtown. Formosa Cafe is a great example of it. Places, uh, you know, that that really are untouched and uh, and unspoiled. That that uh, And Curtis was just uh, so particular about how that movie was shot in that era. And uh, a full marks to him. He's one of the best directors I've ever worked with. 
So you're you're working, you're a working actor, you're a married guy, you're a happy guy, you got your house, <laughs> career's going good, and uh, it, it all comes down to the house here in L.A. Oh yeah, but believe me, especially if people don't know, it's like what a house in L.A. You've got, you've got a house. Oh, my I know God, it's like you, you can afford. You know? I mean, I live in Burbank. I see some of these prices for a. I go what for that? Yeah. Are you yeah, kidding we were, me? Uh, we were lucky to get in when we did, and uh, I don't know how. I don't know how you buy a home now around here. It's just crazy. Oh yeah, it's nuts. So then, then you eventually having had a role uh, on one of my favorite shows of all time. You were on Seinfeld. I was. I played Lloyd Braun. And now that's Lloyd Braun was the one that <laughs> that George hated. George hated, and uh, yeah, I. Uh, I I, you know, there's not a day goes by. You know, people love that show, and it was sort of the kind of show that people discovered also after it, you know, people found that show in the summer. You know, Seinfeld, you know, famous story. Everybody knows it, that it almost didn't make it. You know, they were only picked up for five or six, and then they repeated them in the summer. And uh, so, yeah, it, that was a real uh, gift to be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, I played Lloyd Braun, who was sent away to an insane asylum after he... Uh, uh, bobbled the uh, the Dinkins campaign in New York. Now, so, now did, was that an, a long audition process? Because it was a popular show, or was it? I mean, was it? Did you pop it right away? Did you know? Did you go in? You said I got was, it. Uh, that was one meeting in the room with Jerry and Larry. Uh, one read, and uh, got the job. Was on the set a couple of days later, and uh, came back. I think it was season eight and nine, and then they brought Lloyd Braun back in uh, season nine as well. And uh, so, no, they were they were people of it. I mean, it was the Chinese gum, and, uh, and then the other episode was about computers. And uh, oh, I just tried to stay out of their way, Steve. Those guys were so funny. Well, and Michael Richards, who I did most of my stuff with on those shows too. Just uh, if you look at. Uh, the one about Chinese gum or something, and, and Michael and I, I'm eating a hot dog in the scene. Um, I, 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 it's all I can do to not laugh, because those guys are just so funny at what they do. Now, that's because that role has such a following, and that show, and now that it's recently been all released on Hulu, yeah, people are, as you said, people found it in the summer now. Now, all it's funny, younger people are finding it, and when you look back, the younger people look at it as retro, because... They're thinking they've grew up with cell phones. You know, we forget that there's kids out there who have always been around computers and cell phones. And, right. But so the you know when we watch it, I joke around like, yeah, if there were cell phones, Seinfeld would have never happened. But now, do well, are you getting a new group of people who recognize you? Because oh it, yeah, very very much so. I mean, my kids are 28, 26, and twenty three. Those are my three kids, and so you know they've sort of rediscovered it, and then friends that they have. Uh, figure out who I am, and uh, so no, it it continues to have just a, a remarkable life. Uh, it really does, and uh, yeah, it's funny about the cell phones. Is you can always tell sort of what period a picture or TV show is shot in by the cell phones they use. And uh, I think there's a couple of scenes where you know Jerry's holding on to the brick, you know, and talking <laughs> into the phone and stuff like that. So yeah, it's always a uh, you look back on a picture like Heat. Uh, when Al Pacino's on the phone to the cell phones and things, it is such a a call out as to what year it is. Uh, so 
Yeah, that was a uh, it was a great thing to be a part of, Steve. And I'm not lying to you, pal. Well, that's good because you know you've you've been a part of some great shows. And as as you're acting, as you're acting away, what is it like though when you know you're you're on a lot of show, you work constantly, and what's it like when you go on a set and then all of a sudden it's done and you have to leave? Is it the I mean, I'm sure there's sometimes you're like, thank God I'm getting out of here. But you know, well, it's like a lot of times is there sometimes where you sit and go on a set and you just really hit it off with someone and you go, God, you know, I want to I want to come back because these people are really cool. Yeah, I, I and actually. Uh, that exact feeling, and I've been fortunate enough to come back, is, is Silicon Valley. I was a part of it last year, and uh, I, I, as I say, we, we just aired our third season uh, two nights ago, and uh, I came back for the third season. But, yeah, i I, I got to tell you, I think every time I finish a job, I'm, uh, I, I want to stay. And, uh, so... Anytime I get a job, I, I, as I say, I've been around such a long time, and I'm so grateful to have been in this business as long as I have. So I don't take anything for granted. I, uh, I know how lucky I am to be working because I, I know there are so many people out there who have not been as fortunate. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to leave probably any set I've ever been on, Steve. Uh, which can, you know, there could be some paperwork involved too when I actually won't leave. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Then you've got a restraining order on your hands, and uh, it gets ugly. Well, I posted it. I always post on Facebook uh, who's going to be on my show. And uh, a guy I know, a comic from Philly named John Kensel, wanted, he told me, I have to ask you about Abominable. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, I like that question because I love that little movie. He said it was great. Uh, he said, he said you got to watch it. It's great. It, You know, it's a movie we shot up in... Um, a director named Ryan Schifrin, uh, who a uh, very talented director, and we shot it up in Idlewild. You ever been up to Idlewild? I've heard of it. I don't even know where it is. Well, if you head out towards Palm Springs, about a half hour before you get to the turnoff there on the 111 on Palm Springs, you'll see a turnoff for Idlewild, and you're going to climb about 10,000 feet. And it is a town that uh, you get all four seasons up there. It's got a great art festival up there. Steve, that's a place you should go to. You should drive out there and drive up this mountain, go to this little town of Idlewild, because it's terrific. But we we shot it all at night over the course of a month up in Idlewild, and uh, it was a great shoot. It, it turned out we shot that on, on no money, and uh, Ryan did such a great job with the special effects, and... Uh, it's sort of, I'm in a wheelchair, it's sort of rear window meets Bigfoot. So I can't get out of this wheelchair, but I try to, <laughs> when I'm talking about it, it sounds a little goofy, but I'm saving uh, a lot of people and we're taking this uh, creature down while I'm in a wheelchair. So that's how good I am, Steve. I know, it's amazing, and I know it's a great show. So now, through your career, you've also you've just been in some different quirky shows, like you were in Carnival. I mean, and Carnival was a uh, was a cool show, that, that once again, a show that should have lasted longer than it did. What was it like shooting something like that that's just, it's a different kind of show? Yeah, it, it really was a different kind of show, and, and that's, you know, once again, that's HBO. HBO's been very kind to me. Uh, I, I worked on Carnival and Big Love and uh, Six Feet Under, uh, and, and, and now, uh, you know, I was on True Detective last year and now uh, Silicon Valley. So 
boy, I'm nuts about HBO. And, and Carnival, I got to tell you, you just didn't quite know what to expect every time you showed up on the set, you know? It was a very funky period in the, you know, early 19, I think, you know, 1920s and 30s and things like that, 40s. So, and, I, you know, I remember being at the table read. I didn't know who was going to walk in the door next. It was, uh, it was just such a mishmash of different kinds of people. And that's what made the show so interesting. Nick Stahl, who was the star of that, I had worked with in a movie of the week years before that when he was... 14, 15, you know, 16 years old, something like that. So it was good to see Nick again. Um, but, you know, we shot out in Santa Clarita. They had the whole sort of uh, town out there, Steve, uh, set up. It was a wonderful set. And, uh, yeah, Carnival was a, a really, really wonderful time. Enter, you you watched that uh, when it was on then, yeah? I watched it occasionally, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. anything. HBO is such good shows that you sit there. I mean, it's like, and True Detective was a great show. I mean, they always have great shows, and and I love Silicon Valley. And and now, how did you? Uh, how did that role come about? Did they know of you, or did you audition? And then, did you think you know it would just be so damn fun because your character's great? I mean, you well, you, you, you. you play an awful lot. I mean, the lawyer, it's one of those characters <laughs> you just you just laugh about. Well, I, I uh, yeah, I went in there and, and read for them, and I got very fortunate there too. Uh, Alec Berg also used to work on Steinfeld. So when when he saw me read for uh, Pete Monahan, uh, the attorney who has some challenges there on Silicon Valley, uh, he said, there's our guy. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you see, if you saw last year as we wrapped up the season, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, muling drugs across the border. I was taking underage women across the border. I was doing time. Uh, so uh, this Pete Monahan's had some challenges, but when it came down to it in the courtroom last year with, uh, with TJ Miller or Ehrlich Bachman with, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, this guy was good at what he did. And that was the fine line to play. You know, this guy had this crazy wild side, but he was also a very good attorney, although he's not allowed to practice anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then this past Sunday night, you know, you find me in prison because I uh, celebrated a little too hard. So it's just a great, great character to play. And uh, I, I, uh, I, you know, I apologize. I keep going back to how fortunate I am. But it's really uh, uh, it's it's been true through my whole life and my career. Now, what's it like playing on that show where it's such a a young cast? These guys are just, you know. And they're just funny. I mean, it must just be a fun, fun set. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and that's, a, that's a great question, Steve. And I'll tell you why. Because I, uh, we, we went and, and saw Sunday night's episode with the cast. They had a, a nice get-together, and, and everybody was there. And I was speaking to the DP about that, and he said, that's what makes Silicon Valley great, because you've got people like yourself, and if you saw the new episode that aired Sunday... Uh, Stephen Tabalowski is a part of the cast now. He comes in to play this character. So you've got, and this is what the DP said. He said you have such a great mix of this new talent, that whole cast, uh, from Thomas and, and Zach and, and TJ and Marty and, uh, you know, everybody, Kumail, everybody who's a part of that cast. Those five guys are so good. But, but then they bring in these people like Stephen Tabalowski, like myself, 
who have been around a long time and incorporate them into that cast. So uh, it, it's a really good uh, recipe for uh, the kind of work that they turn out. And, you know, it all starts with Mike Judge and with Alec Burke, too. Those guys are just so good at what they do. Now, what was it like on True Detective? Because that seems like a show that would be very, uh, very private, may we say. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was intense. Uh, um, I, uh, I I got lucky to be on that because I they they called and asked if I'd just do a self tape for that. So I sat in my dining room and uh, my wife held the iPhone and I auditioned in my dining room for that and sent the tape in and uh you know that's another new aspect of this business Steve which I don't it's it's just kind of how things are changing you know and uh if you have you had other actors speak about that self-taping yeah they say it's it's something that you know they're so used they were so used to going in in front of people yeah and getting the reaction and and knowing or getting no reaction yeah exactly (laughs) <laughs> but you you have a sense of if they like it or not, and if they do like it, but if they want you to do it a little different, they can. But with the self taping, it's sort of it's sort of like doing it to a uh, like painting on a blank canvas. Yeah, I, 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 you're right. There's pros and cons to both because if you're in the room with the producers or director or the casting director, because there's so many good ones out there, they'll say that was great. But hey, let's try it this way. You know, that's just it with any room. You're going in and you're guessing. You're guessing that this is the way they want this scene played. And so you've got to do a take on it. And your take, you've got to commit to it. And, and you know, shit, you're guessing. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You know, most of the time you lose. So when you self-tape, you've got a chance to maybe take a peek at it and then say, let's do another one, which you don't have the luxury of doing a lot of times in the room with the casting director. So... There's good and bad. You're kind of flying on your own, both both places, but you've got a chance to uh, to play with it a little bit in your dining room, I guess. So I sent it in, and uh, I heard back that uh, they'd like me to be on the set. So I, it was it was a uh, it was a different set. They were uh, it was an intense scene, and uh, I played an attorney once again who was uh, uh, sort of grilling. Uh, you know, it, it was it was an intense scene. I remember it being an, just a, a different kind of day. But, uh, you know, the work spoke for itself. It, it's a really terrific show. I hope they're back. Uh, yeah, you know, and you know what show, I, as, as I said, I, I always scan the IMDb. You were in a show, which I loved, which I, I never understood why it... I can't wait gets, for this, Steve. Go ahead. And it was on Showtime, I believe. It was called Huff. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had a two or three episode arc on that i was a blythe danner's lover and blythe danner i still think is a total babe okay <laughs> she's a great looking woman and uh god do you remember blythe danner and uh um with robert duvall and uh michael uh what, what was the movie uh with uh where he was a uh, hard-nosed... Great player. Santini. Great Santini. Blythe Danner was so beautiful in that. I always had this crush on Blythe Danner, so when I got that job, I said, oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, that was great, great fun. She was so great. And um, still, big crush on Blythe Danner. So there, it's out there now, Steve. It's so, out. It's, it's, you have yeah. a crush on Blythe Danner. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, as you're acting in the TV and movies, are you ever getting back to stage during this time, or did you miss it? Or I mean, how does I mean I know because a lot of times you get taken away from that because you're constantly working. Now, well, yeah, I I uh, I'd love to go back to the stage. I haven't been on the stage in a while. My wife and I, all of our kids, we've got two of our kids are married, and my youngest lives in New York and uh, doing really well there in the fashion business and. Uh, I've thought about going back to New York, and my wife and I still talk about it, going back for six months or a year or something like that and uh, and, and trying to do what uh, I haven't done in a while. And I know there are so many places to start that here in Los Angeles as well. But, um, yeah, I'd like to very much. I, uh, I, I've learned to just say yes to everything, and so many things have come my way by just saying yes. So... I put it out there to the universe, and, and hopefully uh, some things will, uh, will come back to me. Now, through your career, um, when you were in your early days, were you getting were you booking commercial work? Um, yeah, I, I have it. I, I'm actually uh, there's a spot running now, which uh, I, I uh, the great folks from Hartford Insurance right. came to me a couple of years ago, and I'm now the spokesperson for. Uh, uh, Hartford Insurance, where they've created a great uh, niche here where we've coupled with the AARP to ensure, you know, to have drivers over 50 just sort of take a look at their insurance. And, and we were really uh, a great candidate for this because, as I say in these commercials, that, uh, you know, I we really hadn't looked at our... <laughs> We hadn't looked at our insurance in 20 years because you have these kids and they're driving and they're all on your policy and then they they move away and they get married and you still have the same policy. So that's the Hartford. Uh, that's what we speak about with Hartford insurance is just uh, kind of guys, my age uh, moms and dads to take a look at their insurance and maybe uh, the great folks at the Hartford can, uh, can help you out. So uh, <laughs> that's been a real gift. I love these people and uh, they're some of the nicest people I've ever worked for. Now, how did that come about? Did, I mean, because it's, it's like you play so many different characters, and then as a, being a spokesperson is very cool because, you know, that's cool to be a spokesperson. Everyone wants to be a spokesperson. How did how did this, did they approach you, or did someone say, hey, you got to, did Ian say, hey, you got to go out and try to get this role? I mean, it's a spokesperson. No, they, 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 they did. I, I had somebody uh, that worked at the agency who was in, uh, my camp, uh, a, a great, great friend named uh, Jack Kirby, and uh, he was a big advocate for me. And uh, he had they they were looking for somebody. He had spoken to them, and uh, you know, Steve, I don't know, I don't know how things work a lot of times in this business. It just uh, some things come to you, and uh, you're just so grateful that they do come to you. So it's been uh, a wonderful thing to be a part of, and as I say. Uh, the commercial seems to resonate with people, and uh, we've got new ones coming out. And uh, so, I, uh, I it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Do they do they shoot out in L.A. or do you have to go somewhere else? No, we shoot here in Los Angeles. Uh, we've got great people from Hartford, Connecticut, who come out, and uh, so we shoot them here in L.A. And uh, as I say, we're gonna we've got some new ones coming out where I I get to meet these actual people who have come over to Hartford and. Uh, are uh, happy with their insurance. And uh, so, you know, it, it's an evolution of these spots, too, and just uh, introducing myself to, to the people out there and, and letting them meet some actual people that are a part of Hartford. Now, through your career, where are some of your favorite places that you've gotten to 
shoot at and be involved in the project at? And is there some places that you sat there and went, wow, I can't believe that my career has brought me here to this yeah. area, which is beautiful. Um, yeah, a couple jump out at me. Uh, India. I shot a picture over in India. Have you ever been to India, Steve? I've never been to India. But I, you know, it's funny. I, I had a guest who was in India, and uh, he said that um, it, it's, he's a vegetarian. Right. And it was very hard for him to eat vegetarian food because it's all the vegeta- vegetarian food is all like potatoes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it. Um, I shot a picture over in India. We were in Mumbai for a week or so, and then we went down to a town called Goa, uh, which is a remarkable place. Uh, it was a Portuguese colony till 1961, so it, it has a great blend of, of, of the Indian culture along with uh, the European culture down there, too. I, I shot a Western in Italy, uh, so... You know, places like that, you know, I've gone up to Toronto so many times to work, too, and, and what a great city that is. And uh, I just, you know, I, I would probably say, you know, uh, Italy and India really stand out. And uh, I've been trying to get back to India, and I was almost back there on another project three or four years ago, and, and, and that fell through. And uh, so, yeah, I, I marvel at uh, at. Uh, every time I bought a set, Steve, to be honest with you, because I, I say I, I know how lucky I am. Now, have you been, I always like to find out from my guests, have you been shot or killed many times? And what was the experience for them? <laughs> uh, I, I've died many times, but it probably had to do with my work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I've been shot or killed. I've been... Uh, I've gone down. I did a couple of uh, a couple of whitewater rafting things. I think I've been thrown off a number of cliffs. Uh, yeah, I've, I've died a couple of times, and uh, it never quite comes out the way you want it to. That's a hard thing to do. I uh, I, I, I was listening. Did you, ever, did you watch this uh, Showtime special on Brando? Talk to me, Marlon. No, you know it's funny. I have it recorded, and I haven't watched it because everybody yeah. raved about it. Take a look at it. It's really good. But when, you know, towards the end of the program, they're talking, Brando's, it's the scene in The Godfather when he's out in the garden there with his grandson and he he dies. It's really one of the best scenes, uh, of dying scenes ever on film, I think, because it's just so good and so real. And, uh, you know, and... and there's a you know, two or three year old boy in that scene with him. You know, you don't know what this kid's going to do. And uh, Brando's just amazing uh, interacting with this boy and then playing. And then, you know, he's gone a couple of seconds later. So, uh, but it's always fun when you get to uh, get squibbed up and, uh, and die on camera. That's always good fun. Now, do you ever get hurt? You ever get hurt on, on any of your shoots? Because you know sometimes people have to do little stunts, like you said. You're right. You're white water rafting, which uh, I don't like water, so I wouldn't be good for me. But, oh. but have you ever gotten hurt on a set? Because no, you know, I don't think I have. I've done a lot of horseback riding too, and uh, never been thrown off a horse. Never really. I can't think of anything that I've ever really been hurt on. I've been surrounded by uh, professional people, and uh, they've always taken real good care of me. Now, as your acting and your career is, you know, as you said, you have over 100 IMDb credits. And I'm guessing somewhere early in your career, you probably thought, like you said, you've been horseback riding. You probably maybe thought, well, I'm working a lot. I might have to ride a horse. Do you go out and you take lessons or do you just sit there and say, 
I'll worry about it when it comes up. Because that, to me, that would be scary because you, you, you have to look like you know how to ride a horse. Yeah, no, I don't. You know, if you get the job, I think you go out there. I think any actor goes into a room. I'll tell you a very quick story. I went in uh, a long time ago and read for Steven Spielberg for what turned out to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I remember being in the room with Steven Spielberg, and he said, now, are you okay riding a horse with a lot of people shoot? I said, yeah, I could do that. How about if a big boulder is coming right behind you and you're running as fast? I said, yeah, no, I got that covered. No worries there. Okay, how about a bullwhip? If I put a bull, can you? And you just keep saying yes, Steve. That's all you do. You just keep saying yes, and you worry about it later. But I had no idea what he was talking about at the time. And then, you know, whatever, a year, year and a half later, Raiders of the Lost Ark comes out. So, uh I think any actor just says, yes, I got that covered. I actually did that this morning. And what, then what, you worry about it later on. What was that for this morning? <laughs> anything. You, you just tell the director, <laughs> yeah, I did that this morning, so I can do anything you throw at me. What's the uh, craziest thing you've told someone that you could do when you know in your mind you're going, there's no way in hell, <laughs> even though what I do, I can't do. I mean, and, and, I mean and have you gotten the part and then had to deal with it? No, I mean, most of the time you don't get the part, and that's why you just say, yes, I can do that. And that had to be the story I just told you, talking to Spielberg, saying I could handle a bullwhip, and I could ride a horse, and I could, you know, jump down a waterfall. I mean, anything. You just, uh, ah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you just say yes. But saying yes has has gotten me a long way. Now, I'm not good at saying no. I like I like saying yes to people. Well, you, sh- you should. That's always good. Now you said you're uh, you play a lot of tennis and a lot of golf. Have you have you always been a golfer? Yeah, I, I enjoy golf. I uh, my my son has eclipsed me tenfold here. He's about a two handicap. So I uh, I pass. He passed me a long time ago. But I I play tennis about three times a week. I love it. I got a great group of guys that I play with and. Uh, uh, we're a big tennis family. My son played tennis in college and then get, kind of got burnt out, switched to golf. Uh, so it, it, my daughter played tennis, and my, my middle one's not quite the athlete. Uh, she's got the, the brains in the family. But uh, it, it's a big part of my life, and uh, as I say, the fellowship with the guys that I play with is as important as the tennis itself. Now, would you have, did any of your children ever want to follow your footsteps into acting? Nope, never have. Uh, they enjoy working, Steve. Uh, so th- those times, those months off, I think they'd have trouble with that. No, I got great kids that are doing really wonderful things, and uh, my son uh, works for one of the airlines up there in uh, the Northwest. And I've got a daughter that's graduating; she's a social worker, and I've got another one in the fashion business. So they're really doing great. I'm a very proud father, and. Uh, I was my son's best man at his wedding a couple of years ago. I don't know how you beat that. Oh no, that's uh, great. Yeah, so I uh, I'm really uh, I, I'm really blessed in my life uh, with my family and my career. Now, have you? You seems like you've you've played some political figures, and you're, you're just on NCIS. You were a, a senator, and now when you were on West Wing, I think were you also a political person on West Wing? I was. I was a congressman from uh, from Maryland on the West Wing. That was a great gig. Uh, you know, West Wing at the time, too, that was really the show to be a part of. Uh, it was so smartly written by Sorkin, and uh, it was such a great cast. So, um, yeah, that was a, a really 
really just another fortunate thing to be a part of. So when I look back on things that I've done, and uh, I, I, I've been a part of some really nice things, and uh, the, the variety of it, I think, is, is what's so nice, too, to go from one to the other. And uh, I worked mostly with Bradley Whitford there on, uh, on that uh, West Wing. But, yeah, I look back on that as, as a, a, a real wonderful thing to be a part of. Well, I got to say, when it comes to uh, diversity in resumes, when I look through yours, you were not only on the Golden Girls, but you were on Melrose Place. Now, that's two completely different things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Golden Girls, I played a priest. I heard from my entire family after that performance. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know how you never hear from your family with some performances, but after... Uh, I played a priest on Golden Girls. I, uh, yeah, all my grandparents called. My mom and dad couldn't have been more proud. And uh, Melrose Place, I got to tell you, pal, you're going deep. I don't even remember what I played on Melrose Place, but uh, I'm sure it was a a far cry from the Golden Girls uh, part. Now, you were recently, as I said, on NCIS, which I saw you as I walked in. And I've heard that Mark Harmon is just wonderful to work for. With. Well, you heard right. I've known Mark for about 25 years, actually. And uh, uh, Mark, uh, everything begins and ends with Mark on that show. He's uh, He sets the tone for everybody. And uh, he treats everybody with the respect uh, that every position on a set deserves, whether the smallest to the biggest. And uh, it all starts with Mark. So, um uh, yeah, full marks to him uh, from beginning to end uh, because he really uh, makes it a really wonderful set to be on. And it must be wonderful for you because that is the number one show, I think, in the world. Yeah, it's been on for a long time. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I had been up uh, in that room uh, probably a half a dozen times uh, to read for it for different parts. So. You know, that's what you do. You walk into a room and you read and uh, you, you sort of let it go after that. But after this one, uh, they were kind enough to call and say, all right, well, this is the one we want you for. So, yeah, every a lot of people watch that show. I, I, I was on that show. Oh, were you really? I, my hand was. Well, this, you've got a terrific hand. No, this is no lie. Like, I was on an episode and they called. And I went down, and I was a hand insert. I looked like a guy. I was built like a guy who was on the show. And I guess they had already taped it. And I guess his hands weren't good enough, or they had to do it. So I went down, and it was amazing. Because I sat there, and I went, wow, my hand is on a number one show in, in the yeah. world. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm sure you uh, were terrific. Oh, yes. So now, now how have you said, has TV changed for you, like the production? Is it quicker? Is it longer? Is it not as... Friendly. I mean, has it changed over the years? No. Well, I, I um, you know, you've got so many different outlets for television now. I just finished uh, a couple of episodes of Transparent. Do you watch that, Steve? Yeah, I've, I've watched it. Yeah, I watched the first season. Well, I, 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 I just uh, did a, a nice arc on that. And, uh, you know, speaking about just different outlets on it, you know, and, um, that's on Amazon, which, you know, you just didn't have the outlets that you have now. And you have all these wonderful shows that are on these uh, Amazon and Netflix. And uh, so I, I don't I, what hasn't changed is the work. 
and um, people are, are so talented and, and getting on a set and transparent's a great example of that how you walk onto these sets and uh, they really want to take the time to make sure the work is 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 what they want and, and the 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 quality and uh, so uh, you find that on Silicon Valley I have really found it on on most things I've worked on that uh, sure the process has changed I mean you don't see a lot of thirty millimeter anymore you're shooting on video or you're shooting on uh, you know digital all the time now so the process is a little quicker because of that but. Uh, as I say, the work hasn't changed. It's still real nice to work with talented people who uh, uh, will accept nothing less than uh, uh, than the level that, that, that they bring to the uh, the process. Now, what kind of character do you play on Transparent? Because, as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching it, and it's just it's one. It's just it's it's so crazy now that you sit there and you can watch a whole season. Yeah, which uh, you know, the, the kind of a sign of the times too. My kids do that where they binge watch. Um, I play uh, Jeffrey Tambor. I can't say enough about this guy either. He's just such a gem to work with. Uh, I play his plastic surgeon. Okay. And uh, he, uh, uh, not giving too much away, but he wants to make some changes uh, in the direction that he's going in. So uh, uh, he comes to see me. And <laughs> so really a wonderful time with him. And uh, that, that set is so wonderful because they really... Uh, show up and they want to play and any actor will tell you it's such a great thing to be able to play on a set and uh, that's that's what uh, Jeffrey does and that's what everybody in that show does and uh, it's uh, a really wonderful set to be a part of and it's the same thing with Silicon as well. Now are, are you a TV watcher or is there been, as any shows you've been on that you were like wow I really watch a show or, or as an actor because you work a lot do you really not watch a lot of TV? No I, I I, I like TV. I, uh, Silicon Valley was a big thing uh, for my kids when I got to be a part of that. Uh, we didn't really know the show real well, but uh, uh, I like the Andy Griffith show. Okay. Uh, Steve. Uh, you put Barney and Andy together, uh, and, and you've got some pretty good TV right there. Uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, that's hard to beat that. Uh, so, yeah, I watch a lot of sports on TV, and... Uh, I'm a little bit of a news hound, so with what's going on out there now, it's uh, it's kind of hard not to watch. It, so, it, uh, it's amazing with the election because it's like it's on every channel, and it's and it's been it's been gone forever. Like it started like a year ago, and yeah, well, by the time it comes yeah. up, we're gonna go. Eh. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you're right. It's kind of like watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where we're heading here, but. Uh, Today's a fairly big day with the primaries that are going on in the five states here. So, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, but I, I, I enjoy watching it. I enjoy the process. I don't think we'll ever see an election quite like the year that we're having now, right? Uh, with the different elements that are there, uh, whether you lean on the left or the right. So it's a. Uh, it's interesting watching. Now, what else is coming up? Any uh, any projects coming up besides uh, besides transparent? I'm wide open. What do you got, Steve? Hey, I'm just looking at your IMDb. It says <laughs> The Underwater Upside Down and Ninth Ward. The Nth Ward. Yeah, those are two little movies that uh, I... I uh, Underwater Upside Down, we shot uh, this past uh, year. That should be out soon. A great young cast. Um, and so, no, I, uh, 
I, I'm wide open. I'm going to uh, work for the Hartford here in a couple of weeks and uh, and spend some time with them. And um, I, I'm, uh, I'm I'm a lucky guy, pal. So I, I really appreciate the time and you taking the interest that you have. That means a lot to me. So I thank you for that. Hey, no, it's just I, as I said, it's anything. You know, I see, I watch TV, and my girlfriend watches it a lot, and she DVRs it. And there's certain actors you see, and you see over the years. And, and you sit there, and for my show especially, I started going after a lot of uh, character actors because you guys have the stories, and you've seen the industry change. Someone's like, hey, you, I know this guy, and I'm like, I don't want a 30-year-old actor on my show. No, nothing wrong with a 30-year-old actor, but I really have nothing to talk to them about because they're not gonna, they don't know what it was like to start out when you couldn't email everything you can email a resume you know yeah. and you know it's like back in the day you had you had to get out and you had to somehow you had to get the samuel french you had to get the book and this well, and stuff yeah. you know those yeah. were the days which were great that's very true man i mean it, it, you talked about change and that change really is there but uh it's nice that the work hasn't changed but yeah i mean that used to be you know, that that was a big thing. They would fax you sides or you try to get the, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a process back then. But um, I, uh, I, I've had friends kind of my age that have said, I'm, I'm getting out of this. I've been in it a long time and they kind of get out of it. I, I, it's a testament to just sort of being around a long time and kind of hanging around. And there have been down periods, Steve. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, um, you know, it's been all, I, I've gone long periods uh, where I haven't worked. And, uh, you know, you have a family and uh, life has to continue. So you, you do other things. And uh, I've been lucky to only do what I do. And uh, I, I know how lucky I am. So uh, I, I uh, as I say, I've been around a long time and, and still doing it. And, and boy, it's hard to beat that. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. I'm glad we got to work this out and we uh, you, you figured out the Skype because the Skype is weird. I'm just new to it and I, I don't even know. There's no picture there. Is there a picture of my friends trying to do it? So I want to, I want to thank you for coming on, Matt. Well, my, the thanks is all, all, all on my end too, pal. I, I appreciate your interest and your support and uh, I wish you all the luck with this and uh, hopefully our paths cross again down the road, okay? That's great. So people, check out Matt McCoy. Go to his IMDb. Check him out. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. Uh, my website is coopertalk.net. I have over 500 episodes. So check that out. Keep listening. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week.